Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revanera. Hello, and welcome to another software composition analysis podcast from Revanera. I'm Kendra Morton, your host and principal product marketing manager, also at Revanera. I'm joined today by Alex Ryback, senior director of product management, and Naraj Takur, product security engineer. So, hey guys, welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Hey, Kendra. See you again. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're here to talk about the announcement from the OpenSSL project regarding two new high severity vulnerabilities impacting OpenSSL versions 3.0 and later. A lot has happened over the last week or so. So Alex, perhaps you could help summarize for our audience what's really transpired up till now. Uh, sure. So yeah, so we, we tend to uh, be recording these every quarter now, which is kind of the, the cadence of things that seem to be in the news, right? So there's New vulnerabilities essentially on a daily basis, but there's some uh, headline grabbers. This was certainly one of them just due to the fact that OpenSSL was kind of one of the first projects that got a, uh, you know, a lot of prominence back in 2014 with Heartbleed and, you know, the vulnerability back then got marketing, got a logo, got a website, which was a big change to the way things happened in the past. So uh, since then, each new vulnerability kind of has its own, you know, nice marketing name and so forth. So uh, when OpenSSL pop back up on the radar, a lot of people got nervous. Uh, so essentially what happened was in late October, I think it was around the 27th or so, uh, OpenSSL warned of a critical vulnerability and that there would be a patch uh, forthcoming on November 1st. So vulnerability was limited to version 3.x, which kind of gave everybody a bit of a, a pause and a bit of a breather because it's just not a version that's been very heavily used. There's still a lot of people on 1.x. So there wasn't as much panic as when Heartbleed came out, but certainly it was important enough to where everybody was on notice that come November 1st, um, you know, make sure by then you've certainly identified everywhere you may be exposed and expect to download the latest version, which ultimately became 3.07, uh, and make sure that you patch all of your current 3.x instances. Uh, now, the interesting thing was that on November 1st, uh, when the patch was released, uh, the severity was actually downgraded to high, which, again, gave everybody a bit of a chance to relax. Uh, typically, things go the other way. Things become more serious as you know, folks dig deeper and look into the security issues. In this case, it went from a critical down to a high. But nonetheless, there are still two vulnerabilities uh, that all deal with, uh, with uh, certificates. And uh, folks still need to be mindful that even if their operating system is using an old SSL version uh, uh, 1.x, that their apps and or containers may be using version 3.x. So best to check and make sure that if you're on 3.0 through 3.06, that you upgrade to 3.07. So that, that's kind of where we're at today. Yeah, that's a good point. So we, we, you know, we reference back to Heartbleed in 2014. So how are these vulnerabilities different than what happened back then? Yeah, so uh, I guess one of the biggest differences is there have been, you know, eight years worth of additional vulnerabilities. So people have just gotten kind of more used to these types of news and gotten better at dealing with them. Um, Heartbleed back in 2014 when it came out affected over 20% of the servers out on the internet. So it was extremely impactful. Uh, it was also one of the first, like I mentioned, kind of well-publicized vulnerabilities and caught a lot of people on their heels. So there was a lot of kind of, what do we do? How do we react to it? This isn't something we're good at doing. So it's different now. I think companies have gone through enough cycles to where most have some general idea on how to react to such an event. 
the other thing that's very different is OpenSSL 3 is less than a year old, and it's got a pretty narrow uh, base of products that require patching, unlike Hardbleed, where everything had OpenSSL, every single operating system, and it was very pervasive, so it required everybody to act. Uh, the other thing that's different is Hardbleed impacted servers, whereas these vulnerabilities are more on the client side. So the issues rooted in uh, certificates, which are verified typically by the client. So it's not as impactful and uh, certainly you know, less use out there. But again, kind of the same thing I said to the first question, uh, make sure that you check all instances, not just your operating system, but the apps that you deploy in any containers, whether they're yours or third party, to make sure that they don't have vulnerable versions of 3.x. Yeah. Again, good point. So Niraj, to you, what, so what does all of this mean, right? Uh, well, you know, uh, Alex already spoke about the, uh, you know, the overall or highlight of what has been uh, recently noted. The main issue is that, you know, anything which is popping up nowadays from a security perspective, any component we talk about, we talk about Log4j, we talk about OpenSSL, we talk about Zlib, you know, all of this, the, the hype that has been created for uh, Log4j, the, the kind of chaos which was created for, uh, you know, Zlib, and different kind of open source vulnerabilities which are coming in nowadays, right? That is the that, that is the trigger for this particular vulnerability as well, which is with respect to OpenSSL. Now, the point is that OpenSSL again is a very widely used component. It's very much similar to uh, you know uh, Log4j, where in, uh, most of the organizations, most of the products are uh, or, or most of the operating systems, they all use OpenSSL. So it becomes very natural for any of the product managers, product owners, or the engineering side of it to become, you know, uh, to go in a panic mode and to, uh, you know, look for the uh, impact, to look for the uh, understanding of what patches are being released. So the main issue which came out for OpenSL is that it, it, in the beginning of it, it seemed like this security because this security bug is again, you know, going to be truly awful. But however, after spending some time and, uh, you know, the analysis which was, uh, which was coming out from NVD that said that, you know, uh, this, this particular bug is not a critical bug and it was downgraded to a high uh, severity, which came, came up to uh, a CV rating of 8.8. .8. So there are two CVs which we are talking about. We are talking about CV uh, 2022-3786 and 2022-3602. Uh, both have, you know, uh, different kind of, uh, different kind of scenarios. Not much different, but yes, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some of the rationale for exploiting both of them are different. One, one is, you know, the, uh, CV 2022-3786 is with respect to the X.509 email address variable length buffer overflow. However, if we talk about the CV 2022-3602, that is about X.509 X email address four byte buffer overflow. So both have uh, the severity rating of 3.8 and both, uh, you know, uh, in, in case you're using OpenSSL 3.0.0 uh, through 3.0.6, you are vulnerable. But the point is that this is not very prevalent because OpenSSL 3.x is just a year old and not many of the components, not, not many of the products, not many of the operating systems are using it. So it is not really as exploitable as the one, uh, you know, uh, which was, uh, which came in 2014. That is Heartbleed. And Heartbleed was, uh, I, I would say it's, it was venomous. There, there were uh, so many, uh, you know, exploits available in the market 
as soon as this uh, particular vulnerability that is heartbeat was released there were so many exploitations happening in place and that the exploitation of that particular vulnerability was not that difficult the exploitation for this particular vulnerability which we are talking about it is going to be dif- uh, be difficult because the rationale for exploiting this particular vulnerability is going to be uh, you know tougher than uh, heartbleed we have a uh, memory buffer overrun and it takes a lot of skill set and a lot of uh, you know uh, knowledge to understand and craft the exploit for exploiting these kind of vulnerabilities so you cannot just go ahead straight away and exploit all these vulnerabilities which are being released so uh, even till date we do not have you know uh, uh, at least in my uh, you know understanding experience we do not have any kind of uh, exploits available in the market uh which can you know uh showcase or we have any kind of poc for this particular open sl issue 3.x which has been released in the market so in a nutshell what i would say is this particular vulnerability again it is a vulnerability to be focused on we still have to go ahead and upgrade but we do not have to really go uh, get into the chaotic mode and go ahead and you know uh be panicking about how do we fix it rather you plan this you go for a you know a patch for operating systems also you cannot go ahead and you know do the patching right away you need to find out what is the uh, you need to go for the manual compilation of uh, you know the opensl uh, releases and then you need to upgrade that so uh, you have to be patient and you have to you know strategize the patch that is coming through which is 3.0.7 so that is all about you know uh, this uh, opensl vulnerability the recent one which we are talking about kendra Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you, Mirage. Um, so message there is, right, is still high severity, but a little bit of a deep breath, just put your plan in place to fix it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but what can, I know, and um, Alex started to touch on this, what exactly can be exploited? You can go a, a little deeper on that for us. Sure. So you know uh if we talk about uh, both the vulnerabilities right the first vulnerability we are talking about is uh CV20223786 okay so 3786 can be exploited uh, you know th- this can be ex- exploited to cause a buffer overflow through a specifically crafted x.509 certificate now again uh, as the content this here in uh, 3786 that cannot be controlled by a potential attacker the only plausible impact is you know a uh, uh, denial of service attack however in uh, in the uh, subsequent one which is the uh, cv20223602 the one that we are uh, you know uh, taking the one that, that is again uh, along with 3786 the uh, impact is that along with denial of service we also have remote code execution which can happen okay so all we have to uh, all we have to focus on is you know the while memory overflow bugs they they can lead to you know worst case scenarios the details of uh, you know this particular uh, vulnerability this seem to indicate that you know the level of difficulty for an exploit is very high this again the vulnerability requires a malform certificate that is uh, either trusted or signed by a naming authority or a certificate authority you know that means that you know the authorities that uh, who have built it they should quickly be able to prevent cert, uh, you know certificates designed to target these kind of vulnerabilities from being either created or further you know limiting the scope so that that would be the uh, possibility when we are trying to exploit this the exploitation of this is <clears throat> sorry not going to be uh, very straightforward it is not going to be uh, very easy uh, if we compare this with respect to heartbleed 
Rather, what we have to understand is that to exploit this particular vulnerability, we first need is, you know, the uh, malform certificate, which is signed by SEA, which is not very easy to get. Second thing is that even if you get that, it is very easy for the certificate providers or the one who have built it. It is very easy for them to prevent it. If it is not easy, uh, then, then it is at least very, uh, you know, it is very easy for them to go back and check that what can be done to prevent this. So prevention also is a very easy step for them. If we, uh, if we talk, uh, you know, dig a little deeper on what has really uh, happened or what can really be exploited, uh, we, we say that, uh, we, we see that in this particular vulnerability, you know, the a buffer over and this can be triggered in x.509 certificate verification and specifically you know in the name constraint checking and we also have to understand that this occurs only after you know the certificate change signature verification and this requires either the one that we talked about the malformed uh, certificate which is coming in from the ca and uh, you know the certificate for the application to continue certificate verification you know despite failure to construct uh, any kind of path to trusted issuer that that is the uh, you know overall rational for exploitation of this now the attacker what they have to do is they have to uh, craft a malicious email address to overflow the uh, four attacker controlled bytes on the stack and this buffer overflow results in a crash or you know if uh, went further it can potentially uh, cause remote code execution so again uh, you know many platforms implement stack overflow protections which would uh, mitigate against the risk of remote code execution the risk here is you know that this may be further mitigated again uh, you know based on stack layout for any given platform or compiler so that that has uh, that is how you know the overall vulnerability uh, 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 that is how the overall vulnerability has been reported like so that that's all about you know uh, how we it can be exploited or uh, the details about uh, you know the exploit okay great thank you naraj so to both of you let's kind of wrap it up so what should security and development teams be doing right now to find open ssl in their applications and implement these patches Alex, maybe? Alex? Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, from what I've understood is kind of work with your existing process, right? Make sure that you have plans to patch. I certainly wouldn't drop everything companies are doing to release an, an emergency patch. Uh, make sure you've identified all possible exploits within your product lines. <clears throat> make sure your SBOMs are up to date so that your customers are aware of your use. Uh, make sure that you are following whatever process you have defined internally to let your customers know when to expect a release that fixes a particular exploit. Um, and then, you know, run it per your prioritization process, just like you would any other bug. But uh, as always, you know, whenever we hit one of these scenarios, I always say, you know, don't, don't forget to look back at others, right? Go back and look at your log4j's, look at your OpenSSL v1s, make sure that uh, all the past offenders, hopefully you're kind of keeping a list of all the, these past events, make sure that none of them require subsequent patching as well, right? Don't, don't let this be an isolated incident. Uh, take this as an opportunity to kind of revise and refresh your processes and make sure that you're up to uh, the latest patch level on all your, your main used components. Absolutely. Naraj, anything to add? Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, uh, a, a few things to add. The, the one that uh, Alex talked about, I think that is of topmost priority, like having your S-bombs uh, in place. That has to be analyzed. All the SCA scans, you have to do the scans and, you know, get the results analyzed. There are many operating systems also we talked about, right? So it is very important that we do the infrastructure scans also with, uh, you know, any, any uh, commercial tools like uh, there are many of them available. And, uh, you know, the asset and risk register, also should be available so that you can quickly identify that what kind of asset we have within the organization and what is the version we are running. And if we have any past, uh, you know, any risk identified in the past, those should be available as part of those registers. A continuous, you know, uh, monitoring of the vulnerability related to the uh, any, any kind of uh, component is something uh, uh, should be on the top of the list. And then uh, the last one is that, you know, uh, it's a good practice. Uh, or, you know, one of the leading practices that you keep your components updated with the latest and stable version of the, uh, you know, uh, libraries that you're using. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you to you both. So to summarize just a little bit, right? Um, so it's important for companies to always know what's in their code, to utilize SCA solutions and act quickly when vulnerabilities are uncovered. Um, what will help is if security and development teams have a strategy and the right tools in place to produce the software build materials. And that should include all subcomponents, hidden dependencies, and associated licenses. And it's important to track all the components in your software, regardless of where in the supply chain they originate, both inside and outside of your organization. So a bit of a summary there. So we'll keep providing updates on OpenSSL as more information comes to light if necessary. Feel free to check our website and blogs for more details as well. And I want to thank both Alex and Naraj. Thank you for joining today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kendra. Yeah, very good. And to our audience, we'll talk again for sure. Real soon. Thank you. Have a great day. Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revanera.